All right. <clears throat> Welcome back. NBA season is gearing up. We do the Western Conference preview prior to the weekend. I'll probably post these back-to-back -back on social uh, so you can see them back-to-back. -back. Um, a little a little uh, recap on that. I, you know, in general, we could see the tide is turning potentially where the East may be better than the West. I think it is. I think it totally is. You look at the top five teams in the NBA, how many are in the East, how many are in the West. So you, you expanded the top ten. You could get came with the same analysis. Um, and I think it's going to be a really intriguing year. Let's go to the East. So I'll, I'll, I'll do the rankings in order here. And, uh, you know, if there's bias, obviously let me know. I don't think I try to be as objective as possible. Number one seed should be Brooklyn. It, 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 it should um, now again, it's tough to say sometimes with these super teams, how well they do in the regular season, only because the, it behooves them to take some nights off, um, and, you know, coast a little bit during some of the dog days and things like that. Um, having said that, I, you know, the fact that Brooklyn has three top dogs there. Um, and, and, you know, a lot of this depends on the Kyrie saga. I think he, I think he works something out. Uh, I don't see him not playing any home game. I think that's just absurd. But even honestly, even if he plays all of the road games, let's say that's, that's the case. Um, so you're getting a half Kyrie still the number one seed in the East. That's how ridiculous this team is. What, what Marks has done really well. And, and, um, I keep mentioning this is not necessarily, okay, great. Obviously they have this just crazy talented big three. And by the way, like this is a lesson to the NBA out there. When there's a guy who's just an extreme talent, uh, like that, that's available. You got to go for it, right? Like if you're even getting a 70 cents on the dollar, you got to, and by the way, this is going to be the case with Simmons right now. Um, it could be the case later down the line if Lillard becomes available. There's a huge difference in talent in some of these guys, right? Now, you got to be able to determine which guys are the true talents, which guys aren't. Harden was a no-brainer. I mean, the, the teams he was leading in Houston were really, outside of him, not very talented. I mean, Eric Gordon is your third-best player. I, I don't mind Eric Gordon, but, you know, those teams were taking Golden State, a 70-plus win Golden State team, a KD-led Golden State team, uh, you know, challenging them deep in series. Now, granted, they had Chris Paul, but um, it's him and Chris Paul against this, these stacked Warriors teams. He's a, he's a ridiculous talent. He's an all-timer. You're getting him at the peak of his prime. That, that usually doesn't happen, right? When Houston was able to capture Barkley and Pippen, maybe Pippen, but, but you know, Barkley, they're getting them at, at kind of the tail end. That's not the case here with Harden, um, who should be healthy. And him and KD is enough. You don't even need Kyrie. Harden KD is enough to win the East and, and, and win the NBA title. Uh, they're, they're obvious favorites at this point. But it's the minor moves that Mark's made that makes Brooklyn so difficult to beat, right? It's, you know, it's obviously, you know, Blake Griffin on the cheap. LaMarcus Aldridge might be coming back now. Um, uh, Harris uh, as a shooter. Um, and then they picked up Paul Millsap. You know, everyone's sleeping on him as a backup. Uh, they're deep everywhere. They're also just deep. They're not just top-heavy. So even if one of KD or Harden only play, that's still like a 4-5 seed. 
That's really dangerous. Most teams in the NBA, if you get rid of their best player, they're not they're, they should be a low playoff seed. That's how you know someone's a contender. Is if without your best player, you're you're basically hovering a little above 500. If that's the case, you could contend. But if you're telling me, and that's why those Golden State teams, by the way, are so ridiculous. Because without KD, they were still like a 50-win team. Or actually 70-win, because that's what they won. But um, without these best players, they're still really good. So Brooklyn's number one. Uh, I hate Brooklyn. Enough said about them. Uh, and by the way, you know the issue I have with that is the other team's not getting hard, and they let this happen. That was such a lopsided deal. That was one of the most lopsided superstar trades in NBA history, quite frankly. Um, with a team that it wasn't like a sign and trade. It's not like Pippen with the Roy Rogers and second rounder situation. This was not a sign and trade. Oladipo, who was, you know, you didn't even keep, and you moved him, and, and then what'd you get out of that? Like literally nothing. Uh, with the Miami, he just got late picks. It was really, really bad. It makes the Phoenix Barkley deal, which I thought is one of the worst, uh, was a poor. Um, I guarantee he was a malcontent in the whole thing. It was a bad superstar deal. Vince Carter, but Vince Carter as well, like, um, was dogging it and his value was dropping. Those are also bad deals in retrospect. And again, the team that acquires the, the superstar always wins in these deals, which is why, like, you kind of go for it. And Simmons is going to be no exception. Brooklyn's number one seat. Number two. It's funny. Half the people think this team is going to continue to grow organically. The other half think it was a fluke. Take the Atlanta Hawks, too. And I'll explain why. Um, so if you look at just after Nate, after you know Nate McMillan became coach and what they looked like, it's, it's night and day. So if they continue that way all season, they would have been the two seed. Anyhow, last year, right, if you prorated for the whole year, which I know you can't do, but whatever, for the sake of argument. Secondly, uh, you know, Bogey coming back was massive for them, getting that extra shooter. They locked up Collins long-term now, which is great. Um, and here's the big thing for me. Well, obviously, Trey Young uh, modifying his game to, this is a, such a huge thing for young players, uh, and a lot of guys don't know how to do it. I, I was mistaken about Young. I'll, I'll be the first guy to admit it. I thought Young needed to be a high-usage guy to be effective. Turns out he doesn't. He's kind of like Paul Pierce in that regard, where he could play high usage, low usage at times, go off the ball, on the ball. Like, he could do both. And that was a huge modification that McMillan helped him do, playing a little more off the ball, not being so reliant on him, and maybe late in games you, you use it, which is, which is how you do it. Um, they did a tremendous job with him. Tremendous. And that modification of Young is really what elevated Atlanta. But the biggest thing for Atlanta to me is they didn't even get organic growth because the guys were hurt from Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunter, who I'm super high on. I'm high on both of them. Now, you could go both ways on this. What would also benefit Atlanta, this is kind of weird, Atlanta is so, so deep. They're probably the deepest team in the league. What also benefited the Hawks is some injuries because it cleaned up the rotation. It allowed Nate to figure out exactly who to play, where, what, when. Um, but when you look at how deep that team is, and even with some injuries, they're fine. And then I like the minor pickups. DeLon Wright as like a backup combo guard, really strong as a backup guard for Young. That's a big upgrade over Dunn in the past, Rondo, whoever. And then they they, they bring back Sweet Lou. 
So let's, let's dissect this team, right? You have Young, Bogey, probably Cam Reddish is going to start at the three, Collins, Capella. And then off the bench, right, um, you're missing probably some backup guards. But again, you have Bogey starting. So you have right, Lou Will, okay, Hunter, Gallinari, Akungo. Now, Akungo is going to be hurt to start the year, but Gorgie Dang, good bound, good pickup as a backup center. That is a crazy 10-man. And then you have even fringe rotation guys you could play, like Tony Snell and Solomon Hill. So Atlanta is super, super deep, super deep. They remind me of the late 90s Portland Trailblazers, where there's a lot of guys that could beat you on that team. I think Cam Reddish improves organically. He's a great two-way player. His shot's getting better. If he does anything, watch out. Atlanta could be a sneaky pick, pending on injuries with Brooklyn, to win the East. As crazy as that sounds. Now, they might have the best record of the East. Brooklyn should beat them in a series, obviously. But uh, Atlanta's getting there. Now, I think they're going to probably need to trade Hunter uh, if he if he does anything. So I'm curious what they do at the, the February deadline. If they kind of, for the lack of a better term, go for it, right? They make a big move and they're like, this is our move. Let's do it. It's possible. Because if you if you dissect that team further, you look at it you're like, well, you know, you have Gallinari, who could play 3-4 a little bit as a backup. You got Snell, Salmon Hill, so you got bigger guards there. Um, you know, it's a play in case you're playing against a, a Boston team with Tatum or Brown to cover them. So they, they do need like a bigger, they need like a 2 slash 3 who's like 6-6. Six, six and a better two-way version of Reddish, potentially. Hunter, they don't really need him as much with Collins, who's just got extended. Um, and Gallinari's where there's a backup, so Hunter's the guy to move. You know, do they move Hunter? And they improve uh, the backup 2-3 slot, or the, you know get a starter and make Reddish the backup, which would probably be the move. I, I don't know. I can't. I don't even know who's out there. You know, there's a lot of what-ifs. I, I would focus on a team like Memphis, who has Kyle Anderson and Dylan Brooks. That would be a sick move by Atlanta. Now, it, it's reminiscent of the Boston-Joe Johnson-Phoenix deal where they moved uh, Joe Johnson for uh, Tony Delk and Ronnie Rogers. I get it. The worst part of that deal for Boston, though, wasn't that they did it. It was that they didn't extend Rogers and Delk, who had great playoffs, and helped them go deep. Atlanta, I think it would behoove them to do a deal with Memphis. I can see something like that. That works well for both teams. Memphis trying to go the other way a little bit. They gain youth. They double down. Having Jackson a hunter long-term is interesting. But bottom line for me, bottom line, is Atlanta's deep. If they get organic improvement, which, again, I think they will. I think they will get organic improvement. That should be the two seed. The playoffs uh, definitely helped them to not hurt them. Three. Now it starts getting up in the air a little bit, right? So the question is, how come Milwaukee wasn't two? I do think there's going to be – there always is – and I know it's it's cliche, but a, a post-title hangover. They're, they're the targeted now. A lot of people are, are going to be psyched up to play them. It used to be, hey, a February game in Milwaukee, ho-hum. Now that's an exciting game on the calendar. They're going to get a little more um, aggressive opponents. And, like, look, they were three last year. It's not like they had a good playoffs, but, you know, you could tell me, well, Holiday's going to bounce back and all this stuff. I, they didn't really or, or, or gain organically, right? They lost Tucker. They didn't really replace him. Um you know, Connington could improve a little bit. Granted, they didn't have Diviancho, which which, which was a, a you know decent player. Um, I get it; they didn't have him either. So, 
they're definitely um, they're definitely missing you know decent pieces. I would say definitely, um, and they're bench they're we they're you know, outside of the top three. They're they're fairly thin, um, and the question is, do guys break down? Do they protect the honest with the minutes? Who knows? But it's the same it's the same rollout as last year. I would have liked to see them do something in the offseason. I don't know what it could have been. I mean, granted, they did extend Bobby, who's now, you know, part of the team longer term. Look at the lineup. Let's dissect it a little bit, right? So you're going to have if – I'm, if I'm them, I'm going to be rolling out with – and, again, they lost Craig, who didn't play, but I thought they could have acclimated him a little better. So if you um, look at Milwaukee a little bit deeper – you have Holiday, Diviencho, um, Middleton, Giannis, Lopez. Same team. It's the same team. Now, granted, uh, it's all going to depend on Giannis again, right? Like, um, if he has, he could have another MVP season. It's ob- obviously right. Um, but again, I, I like the three seats for them. I think there's a there's a post title kind of wear out. Here's where it gets interesting. I do think something like four through nine in the East is really wide open. I mean, like a few games could separate these teams. Why do I say that? Well, all these teams have have some major, major flaws, which is, um, you know, interesting to say the least. Let's, let's, Let's dissect. Let's dissect. What are these flaws? So four, I, I go back and forth in this. I'm, I'm, I'm a little all over the place. Um, and I know it's going to sound like homerism. I like the Celtics at the four seed. Surprise, surprise. You're a Boston homer. Of course you like them. No, no, no. I'm really trying to be objective. I don't, They could lose in the first round of the playoffs. Like, there's a real world where that happens, right? Like, they could totally do that. The reason why... I like, jeez Louise, showing traffic here on uh, 95 going to work. The reason why I like the Celtics is, is the depth. So what's going to come down to for me is the dog days of January and February. Like, do you um, sluggishly slow down and, you know, all this, all this other, all this other fancy stuff. The Celtics are so, so deep. They'll be able to sustain a number of injuries, right? And and still be fine. Like, I honestly believe that. The reason why I do, and this is what happens every year in the East. Like, you're going to have, okay, well, well, this guy gets hurt, that guy gets hurt. They're so incredibly deep. They should have, you know, a number of... Uh, a number of times. So let's, let's review the team. It's going to be up to, you know, a Duco to uh, the new coach to really assess this rotation. The Celtics are almost too deep. So my problem with Boston is, you know, give your rookies a chance a little bit. And they haven't really uh, done that. Now, I, I'm talking about Romeo Langford. Like, what? I don't know what his spot in the rotation is. The Celtics are not going to know what he is because they got Josh Richardson. Um, Obviously, they need to play Naismith, who's a great shooter. He'll look good. Like, they might lose out on actually a decent player. And I think Langford, um, 
you know, he reminds me of Ron Harper. Uh, I would have tested him personally. I know it's going to sound crazy. I would have liked to see him starting at point guard. He can handle it a little bit. He, he seems to be decent IQ. Um, and he's a great defender. And if he did that, your defense would be out of this world. Smart comes off the bench. You know, I don't know if you need Schroeder. And then I think, you know, everything kind of works itself out. Um, I would have liked Josh Richardson in that point guard role as well. He played well in Miami in that role. But um, that's not the case. The Celtics starting lineup is basically going to be... Um, Is going to be Smart, Naismith, Brown, Tatum, Horford. That, that I think, is our starting five. Off the bench, you have Schroeder, Richardson, Langford. Okay. Um, sorry, I have a lot of traffic driving. Hernan Gomez, who is an underrated pickup, great shooter off the bench. I'm mean, not great, but he can hit an open shot. And then Robert Williams. The problem with the Celtics rotation is, you know, Peyton Pritchard probably falls out. One of Pritchard or Lankford has to fall out, basically, unless there's injuries, question mark, right? Like, a lot of issues there. A lot of issues, a lot of concerns over there. So to me, that's that's a decent problem. That's one decently sized matzo ball. Um, now every team follows injuries, so if the Celtics get injured, they'll be fine um, because they'll have a plenty of guys to play. But I don't love what they did. I don't think they needed to shoot for a four seed per se. They're going to have to do a consolidation deal, as are others. And there's too many teams that need to do a consolidation deal, which leads me to believe that the ones holding the bag are going to get hurt. If Boston is smart, again, you look at a team like Memphis, who has mentioned that Kyle Anderson, Dylan Brooks are available. You get one of those guys for two of your youth. I think it's something to consider. It just you can't develop everybody at one time. I would love Kyle Anderson on the Celtics. You can't develop everybody at one time. You get, and, and by the way, it's not even that like one trade doesn't have to make you a contender overnight, right? So as an example, we'll throw this concept out there. As an example. Um, and again, I don't know if this works in the kicker or whatever, but something like, I don't know, Lankford and, and Pritchard and a, and a Hernan Gomez or um, something like that for, for Kyle Anderson would probably clean up the rotation real nicely. Um, because then you could just have Schroeder, Josh Richardson, and then Kyle Anderson pretty much playing three slash four. Robert Williams have a clean nine-man rotation uh, going into the playoffs as opposed to do something a little more wonky, which they're doing. But granted, again, super deep. They still have uh, one of the best players in the Eastern Conference in Tatum. It's going to, you know, and, and they can sustain injuries. And last year they got screwed with COVID. There was a lot of tightness there. I like them at four. Five, who is the fifth seed? Uh, this might seem a little bit of a surprise. But I'm going to say it. Uh, I like Indiana. I like Indiana at five. I like Indiana because they didn't have Levert for a full year. He's going to be coming back. They're putting Brogdon in the right slot at one. TJ Warren's going to be back. He's a good two-way talent. They haven't. Um, he looked good, you know, in the bubble. Uh, granted, now, he's not going to be as good as he was in the bubble because, again, in the bubble, 
He was their only sole scorer. He scored 50. A lot of people are going to overrate that. I don't think that's who he is, but that's fine. He's a good two-way talent. He doesn't need to be that. He could be Phoenix Warren, and it's still good. And then, you know, Brissett looked really good. O'Shea, the the rookie from last year. Uh, they still have Sabonis to Turner, obviously. You still should get some uh, organic improvement. Um, Crispit was a nice little draft pick, nice shooter to replace McDermott. Uh, so they they're they're pretty deep. And they're they're strong all over. You know, and I think Levert's gonna have a good bounce back. Um you talk about Brogdon, Levert, Turner, Sabonis as your core four. That's not bad. That's good enough for me. Uh, with depth around it, Lamb coming back, some injuries there, but you know, Holiday's gonna be there. I, I think it's a strong team. Carlisle, good upgrade at coach as well. Nice upgrade. Indiana is five. Six. Six is going to be. Now, six and seven might be a dogfight for, you know, in-game, out of, out of whatever. Um, so I can see something there. But six to me is going to be the Miami Heat. Now, a lot of people are overrating the Heat going in because they are overrating the Kyle Lowry pickup. Kyle Lowry's good. He's getting old, guys. He's getting really old. And also, you have to look at net-net here a little bit. Like, what did you gain? What did you lose? Going into the season, like, like you know, comparing two seasons, basically. So you have the same team. You lose Drogic and Nunn. And Nunn looked good the second half of the year, and Drogic was really good at closing. And you replace him with Lowry. That's about even to me. All right? And he loses Iguodala, who's, who's, you know, shelling himself. He's not going to come back. You know, and then I wouldn't, you know, poo-poo the, um, you know, Precious Ochua and some of the backup shooting that they lost at the big slot, which was helpful. Olytic was helpful for them as another backup shooter. Uh, Myers Leonard also was helpful as another backup shooter. So again, they it, it, and again they they they've tend to they regressed last year. I don't know how strong they're going to be in the. It's looking more like the bubble was kind of fluky. Hero needs to take a step. He didn't, and, and like I keep saying this, um, GMs make this mistake all the time, all the time, where. They think hanging on to the youth is the right move. It's not, always. Hero looked great in the bubble, but, like, if you have Butler and you have guys at, at a certain age and you want to contend, you have to move some of the promising assets to get those stars. I think they could have made a move for Beal at the time using Hero or, you know, another, you know, who knows, Lillard, McCollum, whatever it is, another sort of big, um, big, big, big piece. They didn't. And, you know, now as a result, um, they, um, they're, I don't think they did enough. I just don't. You examine that rotation, it's not really that strong. I mean, granted, it looks like a good starting five. Now, they could be going to the playoffs, and they could upset in the first round, if they, depending on who they play, if Boston's there at three or whatever, or if they move to... You know, to play a team like a Boston, uh, Indiana, whatever it is. There's a lot of tight series that can occur in the first round. Anybody could win those series between Boston, Indiana, Miami, which are, I think, just all three of those teams are, are pretty tightly uh, jammed together. They're very, very close. And that's what they're going to care about. They're going to they're play for the playoffs. Seven, uh, the New York Knicks. So, 
yeah, I do think last year was kind of fluky for the Knicks, clearly. Um, they were able to evade COVID for the most part, maybe living in New York house and the strictness there. Uh, now, granted, Barrett should have a bounce back. But Randall, in my opinion, is going to regress. Why do I say this? He kind of came to life a little bit in the playoffs. I was not impressed. Um, I don't know how sustainable that shooting is. I mean, he had a ridiculous year. I need to see more to feel confident. And a lot of what they did was based on Randall's success and Derrick Rose's. Both those guys should regress towards the mean to an extent. Um, And picking up Kemba, I think, is a wash with Rose there. Now, Fournier is a good pickup. It's a great pickup. So that's going to help them um, add an additional score. And and Robinson, depending on what he gives them. I think what the Knicks need to do is go after Simmons. I think that's that's a great landing spot for him. They're going to have to use Barrett in that deal and others. I think Barrett, Mitchell Mitchell Robinson as an extended trade, along with Obi Toppin. In a basically three for one, where you use where those guys get sent to Washington, maybe a pick and some Philly picks go to Washington as well, and Bill comes to, to Philadelphia. It's a nice little mix, but they're going to be stuck here uh, unless Barrett really, really improves. I don't know how much Barrett's going to improve. I like Barrett. I think he's the number three guy on a contending team, um, so he's an interesting piece. He could be better. Who knows with higher usage? Um, but yeah, Knicks seven eight. Eight, I'm going to say the Charlotte Hornets. Now, Charlotte is a little more reliant on, less reliant, I would say, um, on now with depth. They've added depth. Uh, getting Sadoransky, so the Sadoransky for Devontae Graham swap, basically, is a big bonus for them. They need an extra wing slash back of point guard, which Sadoransky gives behind Ball, in case something happens with Ball and Ball gets hurt. By the way, Ball getting hurt last year was why they missed the playoffs. Okay? They're going to get organic improvement everywhere. They should. Okay, between Ball, between P.J. Washington, um, and now Hayward coming back. And by the way, great drafting with Kai Thomas out of Texas. <coughs> uh, the type of kind of rookie big that they need, which was a great pickup. Plumley, another nice pickup for them. So they have some death at the five that they haven't had before. Not going to be as reliant on Bismarck Biombo, which is great. Um, and Bridges. Bridges should improve. So their organic improvements there. It's a fun team still. They're going to get good chemistry. They're on the right track. They obviously need a little more talent. You know, um, and I don't know how much they're going to really be relying on Hayward, but hopefully this could be the start of something. If they sneak in the playoffs, they get some good run, you know, good experience. Who knows? This could be the start of something big. you notice I haven't set a team yet. I'm not going to say them for a little bit. Nine. Nine, I'm going to say the Chicago Bulls. Now, to me, the big difference here is now the Bulls can go 9 or 10. So, not much of a difference there. Bulls, I think, have had a very overrated offseason. I think they picked the wrong guys. The, the the mix doesn't work. Ball with DeRozan, not a great mix. One of them is fine, not both. Kobe White's going to be hurt to start the year. Um, you know, Zach Levine's going to be on, on a expiring deal. What does his future hold? He's still iffy with them. Uh, Patrick Williams, nice little, you know, has been playing well, but is he Harrison Barnes? Is that it? And then Vucevic. So their offense is great. They're a top half best, best offensive team. They're a horrific defensive team. They have no players who can get after defensively. This is the New Orleans Pelicans of the Eastern Conference. DeRozan, now, I get it. Like, his passing has gotten better, but, like, some, you got to share the ball, right? Like, who is, is going to be um, racking up the assists here? DeRozan... 
worked really well in San Antonio when you had, you know, White, Mills, uh, DeJounte Murray alongside him. So he's got people in Kelvin Johnson. So he's driving and kicking. At Chicago, he would have been a fine pickup if you kept Sedaransky. And just, just leave it at that. I don't know why they had to get ball. You didn't have to do both, is my my, my notion. You don't have to get both Ball and DeRozan. One of them would have been fine. Both of them was actually negative. Because now you're, you're getting hurt on the defensive end, which no one in the NBA cares about, apparently. And there's just too many mouths to feed on offense. It's, it's a mess. But again, talent-wise, it's still much better than these other teams in the East. Or these other messes. The 10th seed, Philadelphia 76ers. I, I, I can't see how this isn't a train wreck. Um, I think Maury's going to have to go one way or the other with this. Um, if he's waiting on a Simmons deal, you know, I don't know how long he's going to wait for or, or what's going to happen, but it's going to hurt the year because without Simmons playing for a decent chunk, which is what I suspect, the team is not that good. Let's go through it. Like these, like Furkan Korkmaz, how many teams is he in a rotation on? He's one of the best wings on Philly. That is sad. They're so reliant on him. So their lineup now without Simmons is basically Shake Milton, Curry. And by the way, Curry and Simmons is like a package deal, meaning like Curry is great if you have Simmons or Luka at point guard. Not not so great if you don't because he's going to have a more difficult time getting open and his defensive weaknesses are going to be more pronounced. So you're going to roll with what? Shake Milton, um, Curry, Green, who are aging, Harris and Embiid. Yeah. I don't see a ton of success there. I see a lot of disgruntledness. And then the bench is super weak. So you have Drummond, great, who, you know, looked so good on the Lakers. He did not. And then Furkan Korkmaz, aforementioned, as, as your, your top wing off the bench, you're going to have to give him like 30 minutes. And then Tyrese Maxey, who you're going to be relying on. It's just not, it's not a good team. And I, I see a lot of, infighting and, and, and issues there, not responding well to the last year's playoffs. We're going to see how good Simmons is. We're going to see. Simmons is today's Scottie Pippen. He should not be, people should not say like, oh, Simmons needs to be like LeBron. That's ridiculous. Let him be Pippen, and that's it. Like, don't criticize him for, for anything else. Oh, he doesn't have a shot. Focus on his positives. He's absurdly positive in his positives, and play him like you would play Pippen. That's the issue. 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, does it matter? Let's go through it. So now it's about, like, who's actually going to try? I hate to say it like this, but it's the case. 11 is probably Toronto. They're too good not to be, even with the trades and everything and looking about, you know. They're, they're, it behooves them to, to go to the lottery. Scotty Barnes is a great pick. They're going to try to not make the playoffs. I would think they want to get another lottery pick to um, pair with Barnes. Siakam, they might deal. Fred Van Fleet, they might deal. Who knows? There's enough talent there, though, to get 11th seed. And in fact, they might sneak into the playoffs, quite frankly. But, uh, and again, they're going to have home court, which they did not have this year. They were playing in Tampa. So they should do better at home. But it's going to depend on what Masai's moves are. I would suspect Masai is going to double down on a rebuild, find a home for Siakam, and maybe find a home for Fred Van Fleet. That's 11. 12, 13, 14, 15. We got four more teams. And nine minutes till I get to work, according to Waze. So, who are the remaining four? Um, I think 
Washington is going to be 12. So again, you replace Westbrook with, with Dinwiddie, they Rui Chimera and Denny Avaja. They got kind of lucky with their with their prior picks. They're hurt, but are playing as well. So that's going to be a, a, an issue. Um, but yeah, I, I still think they they're going to you know try, right? So that should be your your twelfth seed, and they're going to accidentally rebuild. They should have rebuilt all along. They accidentally rebuilt. If they're smart, they move Beal. They got to rebuild. There's not any. He's not adding anything to this point. Like just move him. And again, I think a three-way with New York makes sense. Get Robinson, Barrett, Knox. You know, quickly whatever. Uh, Toppin, and a bunch of picks and rebuild. I don't think it'll do that. Washington, uh, Washington 12. 13, 14, 15. Three teams left. Between Cleveland, Houston, uh, uh, Detroit, and Orlando. So let's just place them. Um, 13, I think Cleveland, because they're going to try. And look, there's still decent talent on that team. I think getting marketing is pretty good. Garland should have the bounce back here. Sexton's still there. They Again, so my issue is like these teams feel like they need to get like 105 cents on the dollar, not even like 80 cents on the dollar when there's a bad fit. When there's a bad fit, get rid of the bad fit. Okay. Better to trade the guy and for, you know, 90 cents, 85 cents on the dollar even, than wait for it, wait for it, wait for value keeps decreasing and like try to get this 105 cent stick. It does not work. Teams aren't idiots. The They needed to move sex. They did. The Cavs really, really did. The fact that they didn't is really going to hurt them. Again, just, you know, honest, uh, honest opinion stuff. So that's one. One major issue. Um, the other... I mean, there's a lot of issues there. But, but so Cleveland just has a mess of a team. They have no shooting. Uh, Kevin Love looks like he's done. I mean, they, they've just airballed all of these guys. And they, they did a poor job in the draft. I'm sorry. Like, they needed to either move down because, like, they have way too many bigs now. I like their pick and stuff. He's a talent, but, like, sometimes you, you, you got to look at fit a little bit. I mean, why then why are you extending Jared Allen and drafting at the same position? And then and then you sign – and then you you sign Laurie Marketing? Like, it's just, just bad GMing, honestly. It's not good GMing. Right? Just not. So that that's the issue there that I have with them. Um ah, crap. So that's that that's gonna be Cleveland's thirteen. So um thirteen. And then fourteen's gonna be Detroit. Just too much talent not to be with, with Kate Cunningham. They're gonna figure it out. They'll lose a bit. They're they're doing it the right way. Detroit's doing it the correct way. Absolutely are. That's how you roll. They're absolutely doing it the right way. Um, I like their lineup with Cunningham in there. I think... Um, I don't think he's going to rookie of the year. But let him figure it out. Let him handle. Look, these teams got to take some risks. If I was Detroit, honestly, there's going to be an unpopular opinion. 
I probably would have done a Shea, Gilchrist, Alexander deal, moved down in the draft, got in the wing, got in Shea, got in future picks, um, and done that. They didn't. That's fine. But I don't know. Maybe I'm a, geez, maybe I'm a risk taker. Who knows? And then Orlando. Orlando has a terrible team. All right, like this too. I mean, like, <clears throat> they need to see what Jonathan Isaac is. He's been hurt. He's probably their best player. Um, I don't love what they did in the draft with Wagner and those guys. I don't know. I don't know how good they're going to be. So, there you have it. Um, that's the East. The other thing I'll say is, so something, so like, who, who's going to, you know, if you had to do an MVP of the East and all that, right? So, based on the above, look, I, I think Tatum has a shot at, uh, he, he's, he's on a short list for me for MVP. If, if everyone's going to be like, you dude, you are freaking nuts. Here's why I say that. Here's why. If, actually, you know what? Let's just end the pod. Hope everyone has a great